a love letter to basketball in the purest sense because you know the NBA you know there's a commerce and business part of that but in high school basketball they're playing for the love they're playing for the love of it you know the first thing that all of us said was nah we're not going we're not going to East we're staying at Chapel Hill we're staying with our teammates over here you know, for me personally, uh, I was pretty leery of it. Um, I enjoyed my time at, at Chapel Hill High School, but going into the, the season and going to a new school, uh, I, I really, I didn't know how good we were gonna be. I didn't think we were gonna be all that good. To be honest, I thought we were gonna be middle of the road. This is episode two of One, Two, Three Wildcats. Welcome back, y'all. I don't say y'all much, but it just seemed fitting there. It just seemed like the friendly thing to say if you're coming back for a second episode. I'm Neil Amato. I guess I'm pretty friendly, but I'm going to ask. I'm going to make a request. I hope you'll, you'll give us a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts and that you'll share uh, this podcast with your friends if you think it's a story worth sharing. The fact that you're back for a second episode makes me think that you like what you heard. So, so we're glad you're back. This episode focuses on Chapel Hill, the town, its basketball scene, and the new high school that opened in the mid-1990s, East Chapel Hill High School, that gave this podcast its stars, uh, its material. But when it was time for us to uh, split up, we, we knew we'd be pretty good. And honestly, we, because East was going to be a new school, we didn't think they were going to be good at all, just to be honest, just from, from the simple fact of it, them being a new school. That was Jaunty Leak, a standout point guard for the Tigers of Chapel Hill High. He grew up with some of these Chapel Hill High players. He can recall going to a birthday party or some kind of party at Andy Jones' house and playing basketball. So Jaunty knows uh, the Tigers and the Wildcats well. Rick Strunk is another person who knew the Tigers and Wildcats well. We mentioned him in the first episode. He's a longtime media relations director for the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. And he was a parent of Chapel Hill High students in that era. So he had not only the NCHSAA lens to view the Wildcats story, but also the local parent lens. A lot of the kids that were at Chapel Hill but hadn't played then got a chance to play at East Chapel Hill. First, a little background. Chapel Hill has long been a university town. It was a university town first and foremost. It's been a university town since the late 1700s. And immeasurably proud that this occurred October 12th, 1793, here on the crest of New Hope Chapel Hill. What is it that binds us to this place as to no other? It is not the well or the bell or the stone walls. As chancellor of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, on behalf of the faculty and under the direction of the Board of Trustees, that I declare as of now that this building is named the Dean E. Smith Student Activity Center. It's been a basketball town, not quite as long, but still for a long time. Basically 100 years, you could say Chapel Hill is a basketball town. Under numerous head coaches, the University of North Carolina has had a lot of success in men's basketball and women's basketball. They've won six NCAA titles, 
on the men's side, 1-1 on the women's on a memorable shot by Charlotte Smith in 1994. Here's the shot, Charlotte Smith. Charlotte Smith makes the shot of her young life. Basketball is just part of the fabric of the community of Chapel Hill. It's the start and end to to many conversations. And those conversations have focused almost entirely on the college game. People were more apt to talk about Michael Jordan and the Tar Heels than Henrik Rodel and the Chapel Hill High Tigers. They were more likely to talk about the play of Rick Fox or George Lynch or Jerry Stackhouse. Now gets it away to Donald Williams. Down the side to Stackhouse. Stackhouse streaking in on Park. Reverse dunk is good and he gets fouled by Park. Oh my goodness, what a dunk by Stackhouse. He jammed it on the reverse dunk. It's just a different level of basketball, a different level of excitement when you think about Final Fours or potential national championships. But that does not mean that this area, Chapel Hill, did not produce strong, competitive, championship-caliber high school teams. In 1981 and 1987, Coach Ken Miller led the Tigers of Chapel Hill High to 4A state titles. 4A is the largest classification in North Carolina. 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A. 4A schools are the biggest. Chapel Hill's growth as a town has kind of mirrored North Carolina's over the years. Chapel Hill could not stay a small town forever, just as North Carolina did not stay a small agricultural state forever. In 1993, North Carolina had two area codes. By 1998, it had six. So it used to be a a 919 and a 704 state only. And it's just continued to add. And and a lot of that growth happened in the 1990s. And that is why in Chapel Hill, a new high school opened in August 1996 to relieve crowding at Chapel Hill High. The new school was East Chapel Hill High, which opened with 630 students in three grades. When East Chapel Hill opened, it was a 3A school officially, but that was going to be based on its four-grade population. It essentially was a large 2A school. Again, the reason we're doing this podcast is because East Chapel Hill, in its first year as a school with no seniors, played for the state championship against Hickory High School on March 22, 1997. Now, Hickory was a normal-sized 3A school, about 1,150 students, about double the size of East Chapel Hill's population. Back live in Chapel Hill at UNC, the site of the state championship basketball games here this afternoon and tonight. I'm David the Morning, along with Juju Phillips. The nickname choices, I'll never figure out. There's now three public high schools in the Chapel Hill Carborough City School system, and the nicknames are Tigers, Wildcats, and Jaguars. Wow. I guess nickname originality didn't really matter when it was just Chapel Hill High. That all changed when East Chapel Hill opened. But before it did, there were some events that contributed to the forming of the East Chapel Hill Wildcats boys basketball team. That started with a meet the coach event at Phillips Middle School where parents and prospective players could uh, meet Ray Hartsfield for the first time. There wasn't email and uh, all these things that they use now to get things out. Things went in a newspaper, you know? So uh, we put it in the Chapel Hill News and the uh, maybe the Herald Sun also, but I think just the Chapel Hill News. They tried to do some kind of all call that I would be at uh, Phillips Middle School uh, Saturday, 
morning about 11 o'clock and that was to parents and to kids to come meet the new basketball coach at East Chapel Hill High. And that was followed shortly afterward by a team camp, a trip down 15501 to Sanford and Lee County High School. Coach Hartsfield had said to the first assistant coach that he hired, Toby Lucas, who he had worked with at Riverside High School in Durham, he said to Coach Lucas, now we're only going to have juniors and sophomores go to this team camp. We'll let the older guys you know, get kind of the first shot. Well, that was before the meet and greet. Boy, parents and kids showed up. It was amazing. All except for Brian, Paul, and Brad. They were at a camp up in New Jersey or someplace. But Eric, Andy was there. And then this huge freshman walks in full Carolina gear, a Carolina uniform. And I looked at Toby and he looked at me and I said, okay, if he can play, we're gonna be all right. It was Chris, probably 6'4", probably 225, chiseled like a Greek god. I'm like, I said, what, what, what year are you? He said, uh, arriving ninth grader. That junior and sophomore rule quickly got put out the window once uh... Once Ray Hartsfield saw some of the talent he had to work with. The second Chris Hobbs walked in, he said, oh yeah, you're coming. And then there was also freshman guard Eric Henderson, who I guess passed the look test enough to to go to uh, team camp at Lee County as well. How did that team camp go? Well, that depended on who you asked, and it also depended on which day it was. I believe it was a two-day camp. They played five or six games. The first day, they played a 4A power by the name of Morganton Freedom. Morganton is a town in the western part of the state, uh, closer to, to Asheville. They've had traditionally strong basketball. Maybe you and Paul and maybe Brad, too, didn't go. You guys played Morganton Freedom and got destroyed, but maybe your normal lineup wasn't there. Do you recall playing them? That... I think all the times we got destroyed, I kind of just blocked that out of my memory. <laughs> no, nah, I'm playing. It actually does kind of ring a bell that some of us weren't, yeah, some of us weren't there as early as others for whatever reason. When they played Morganton Freedom, Andy Jones comes off the court and he is hot. And I don't mean hot because the gym was hot because it was summer in North Carolina. I mean, he was angry. Yeah, I was, I was cursing and things like that. Uh, yeah, he definitely shut that down with me pretty quickly. I mean, but in a way that he knew I was, you know, I think he, he saw that I was a competitor and was frustrated. One, it, it made me reflect on what I was doing, but two, it was like, oh yeah, I better I better check this before, <laughs> before I, I don't get to play basketball. So, yeah. They didn't have their full roster and they didn't play well. And so they didn't win. They did not even come close to winning. And Andy Jones was upset. He said to me, one of his first thoughts was he wanted to go back and talk to his dad and see if he could go back to Chapel Hill High. He was so upset. What Ray Hartsfield thought was, well, he thought he had some pretty good pieces in place. He had seen Chris Hobbs walk in the second day of the team camp. He got, you know, 6'5", Brian Fitzgerald back. He got Brad Woolley back. He got Paul Kindem. He already had Andy Jones and Eric Henderson. So that's a pretty strong nucleus a pretty good top six i think we played pretty well and he could tell that you know we had obviously played together and we had some pretty good chemistry after that weekend I said you know what we may not be your typical brand new school basketball program 
That's one of the reasons, by the way, that the word Cinderella is not going to come out of my mouth when I talk about this team. Now, granted, it's an incredible story. It's a hard-to-believe story. But it's not that these guys lucked into it. These guys had talent. That top six all was recruited to play some level of college basketball. So they were good. It was just unproven talent at that time. They used to always tell me, Coach, if they don't open East Chapel Hill, you know maybe two of those guys make the team at Chapel Hill that year, Brian and Paul. I said, really? That was amazing. There are a lot of things that are on the outside nice about a new school, but the relationships part of it for teenagers is maybe not great if they have you know, kind of a a group that they hang with in high school. So the same was true of the basketball players at Chapel Hill High, the ones who were going to go to East Chapel Hill High. They, in some cases, had a pretty good uh, gig going at Chapel Hill High. So they didn't want to leave. Brian Fitzgerald and Paul Kindom, I would say, fit into that category. With the, the new school, I think there was a lot of wonder when it came to basketball in particular and not having a senior class. We were, you know, pretty apprehensive about how good we were going to be. Brian Fitzgerald even started a few games uh, his sophomore year, and Felton Page, Chapel Hill High coach, had been quoted in a newspaper article. Uh, Felton Page had said the player he really hated to lose was Brian Fitzgerald. Chapel Hill High did not have a bunch of uh, six four, six five, six six, six seven players. In fact, I think they only had one taller than six three. Which at the four A level of basketball, they were not a big team. Now Brad Woolley, who played on the JV team his sophomore year, and kind of looked at the numbers game going on with all the the good you know perimeter players that Chapel Hill High had then. He said he was excited about the opportunity. So my sophomore year, well, Andy and I, we, we played JV, and Paul and Brian played on the varsity team. So when they said they were opening a new high school, I remember it was, um, I thought it was a good opportunity for myself, just because, you know, most of the varsity team was juniors at the time. So even that next year, there would have been a whole class of seniors, and I would have been a junior, um, whereas with the new school, I knew I'd have opportunity to, you know, play more, I guess, is the best answer. Andy Jones, I think, was kind of the same way. Uh, Even though he had developed into a a good uh, football quarterback as well, he was kind of eager to to give it a chance at the new school. Several of the Wildcats players and and even team manager uh, Dave Erntman, who, though he didn't play on the team, he did play a lot of pickup ball with them. He said that that's where those guys kind of established themselves as competitors, established themselves as winners because they would play against anyone. Uh, they played hard. Defense mattered to these guys. Like Chapel Hill, Dave has blocked about 10 shots here tonight. Excellent defensive team. So because they were friends, because they had developed these bonds. Now, again, remember these four uh, juniors, Fitzgerald, Kindom, Woolley, Jones, They all played together in middle school. Community Center, I believe, had played 
uh, at least some of them had played some AAU basketball together. Heck, Neil, I remember playing in Paul's driveway back in the first grade, and we would take his adjustable rim and set it down to about seven and a half, eight feet, and uh, pull out the little circular trampoline and just practice dunking together. Because of those bonds, that was one of the things that, for them, it made sense for them to go to East Chapel Hill. They figured it out. They figured out, oh, hey, I'm going to be at the same school with Andy, or I'm going to be at the same school with, with Brad or Paul or Brian. I had a lot of friends that were going to East Chapel Hill, so I was excited about that and being at a new school. There was new energy. Because Chapel Hill had been a one high school town for so long, it created an instant rivalry. We thought we would have still a good team at Chapel High, which we did. Uh, but the only thing we were lacking was a body like Chris Haas. We needed some height. So the way Brad Woolley remembers it, he, he remembers having lunch with a bunch of Chapel Hill guys. He basically said they would just sit there and I mean it was it was not mean, but it was like, man, we're gonna we're gonna beat you guys by so much when that new school opens. Correct. <laughs> I mean that's just that was just our attitude. I mean, you know, I mean what kid doesn't think that? I mean, if you're competitive and again you to, you're opening up a new school, you don't have any senior class. I mean, we just really thought we we're going to beat him by at least 20 points. That was Jaunty Leak. I always thought in the back of my mind that we would beat them both games, to be honest with you. But I never really said it, but I just felt like we had a better team than them. There you heard from Ed Gear, a star guard for the Chapel Hill High Tigers. Those games had great atmosphere. Many of the guys have said it felt like the whole town was at those games. They were astounded by the the community event, the buzz surrounding the Chapel Hill versus East Chapel Hill games. Back then, we only had bleachers on one side of the court. It was standing room only in that gym. I didn't quite get a sense of how intense that rivalry was until I, I stepped into the gym. And that was Greg Hobbs, the father of East Chapel Hill freshman center, Chris Hobbs. A great rivalry established, but I'm going to uh, do some breaking news again. Those first two seasons, East Chapel Hill was open. They went 4-0 against the Tigers. So that overconfidence on the part of Chapel Hill High was misplaced. Even when East Chapel Hill visited Chapel Hill, the Tigers were up at halftime. Probably had to feel pretty good. Brian Fitzgerald, who talks about what it was like at halftime in the locker room at Chapel Hill High. I mean, yeah, so like you picture this, Neil. It was our first game versus Chapel Hill, right? The whole town's there. And we're on the road, and we're down at halftime. And coach is livid. I mean, hot. And I think we were turning the ball over too much and just not executing at all. And so he's kind of having a Bobby Knight moment there in the locker room, and he's ripping into us. And if you know coach, this is very out of character because he's typically very calm and poised, really. And he just flings the case of water bottles at us. I mean, I don't think he meant to throw it at us, but I know one was coming right at me. And now this was before the Matrix had even come out, but I had to pull a kind of a Neo bullet dodge maneuver just to ensure I didn't get hit in the face. So he definitely got our attention and that snapped us out of whatever funk we were in. And we actually came back and got the win in the second half. After the game, he told us about his alter egos and said, guys, that was the bear. You don't want to see the elephant. <laughs> and he was right. You know, none of us did want to see it. 
Thank you to so many of you for your interaction with this podcast. Your likes, comments, Facebook shares, tweets, texts, emails, you name it. We surpassed the 200 download plateau last week because of you. We had listeners from Spain. I still, that's unfathomable to me that someone in Spain is listening to this podcast. So 200 downloads last week, I guess 1,000 downloads, here we come. We'd love for those listening on Apple Podcasts in particular to give us a rating and a review so we can keep spreading the word about 123 Wildcats. I'm hoping to set up something on Google Voice where people can call in and we can feature their memories of the Wildcats on a future episode. Look for that info on our episode pages soon. I again want to give a shout out to Brian Fitzgerald, our executive producer, for all his fantastic work. My goal for this episode and all future ones is simple. Don't text BFITS after midnight. I failed on episode one, so it's time to, uh, to start a winning streak there. Speaking of winning streaks, and to keep things light, we're going to have some 123 Wildcats trivia with each episode. This week's question, what was East Chapel Hill's longest winning streak in that first season? You can reply on email, Twitter, Facebook, Podbean, wherever you interact with this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Be on the lookout if you want to learn more about Coach Ray Hartsfield, the brains behind the operation, in Episode 3 of 123 Wildcats. 